There's something worse than too late. There's almost. Almost in time. Almost there. But not. I know I listed off her vitals. Her age and appearance. I don't remember saying it, but I did. I must have. I also, probably, snapped open the defibrillator and felt her body buck off the gravel. But I can't say I'm sure of any of that. All I remember were those vacant eyes and thinking. Almost. I talked about it, at length, in therapy. It's basically a requirement for my field. But to me, it's more about maintenance. The first couple of years of scraping people off car wrecks and covering bullet wounds got to me. But after a while, it all blurs together. It helps, at least. If you're sitting in the back of that ambulance, you're already dealing with broken bones or blood going somewhere it absolutely shouldn't. The last thing you need is your EMT having a panic attack. I just focused on the work and kept people from bleeding out. I think I know when that stopped working. Funny, that all happened off shift. I had just signed off for the night. We had dealt with a couple of nasty head-on collisions and several gunshots. Nothing out of the ordinary. I remember the relief of peeling off that sweaty uniform and sinking into the driver's seat of my car. I hate the highway for a few reasons, and the biggest is traffic. You have no idea the desperation I feel when driving that ambulance in a solid block of unmoving cars. We can crank our sirens as loud as we like, but we can't move the traffic. I guess that's why the night standstill didn't bother me as much. With no one dying in my back seat, it was almost relaxing. Below the highway, small streets spread out neatly. Their rows of apartments lit up in the night. People drifted around. I heard an occasional laugh. For a single moment, I tuned everything out. Had I been anyone else but a medic, I would have missed it. But I know what I heard. Someone screamed. It was far away, barely there, but close. I straightened, back rigid, and scanned through every window of the car. Sidewalks, traffic, apartments, nothing. Nothing on the highway either. I was beginning to think I just needed some sleep when I glanced down to my left. It was a parking lot, an empty plain of gravel. Buildings rose up around it, but through a gap I saw someone struggling with a heavy, awkward weight. 
I realized quickly they were dragging a body. I pull over, kick open my door, and lean over the steel barrier in the hopes of getting a better look. Someone was still pulling a body towards the back of a dingy truck and getting closer by the second. I hopped the barrier, nearly breaking my neck down the rocky slope. By the time I descended the hill, the body was already halfway inside the truck bed. I ran faster, fighting through the bushes around the lot and finally broke through. I was only able to get a foot on the gravel before I heard the slam of a car door closing. I sprinted, hunched down as low as I could. It looked like an old piece of shit truck. The doors were brittle with rust, not to mention the cracks webbing through the windows. I'm not sure how the thing was even running. The lights, covered in grime, just barely flickered. The back, though, was much different. The truck was modded out, but it was sloppy. Clashing sheets of scrap were welded together at odd angles. Nothing was straight. The lines were all messy, the materials not quite fitting together. But as far as I could see, it formed sort of a hood over the back. It was hot, too, like a grill. Shit. I feel around, fingers burning against the hot metal. There's a padlock. I pull, but it's useless. Suddenly the engine groans and the brake lights flicker. The dingy wheels begin to roll forward. I desperately yank at the lock, but the car speeds up and pulls away. I run after it, grabbing onto the back of the truck despite the intense heat. I feel blisters beat up under my skin, but I am not letting go. Suddenly the truck reverses. I'm not ready for it, and I tumble to the ground. The last thing I remember is my skull bouncing off the rear bumper. I wake up to familiar faces. It turns out I wasn't too far from work. They got a couple of jokes in before I yelled at them to get me a phone. The police were there about an hour later. I told them about the truck, the screaming, all of it. But it wasn't that simple. Did you see a license plate? Did you get a face? What model of truck was it? All I was able to give them were the weird modifications on the back and the padlocked trunk. Halfway through, the two officers share a look. The one speaking to me starts to put the notepad away. They tell me how hard I hit my head about the effects of concussions. Things I know, but the officers stop asking the questions. They'll see what they can do, they said. Sure. I was quiet after that. I let the nurses look after me. They released me around noon the next day. I got a few extra days off to rest, but I don't. The first thing I do when I get out is stash a pair of bolt cutters and a medical kit in my car. The rest of the time is spent camping out near that gravel lot. It's a lot of empty hours of talk radio and cups of coffee. My head was throbbing too, but 
It faded slightly with enough pain meds. It was easy enough. The lot was pretty small. I only managed to catch it from that specific spot on the highway. Buildings seemed to close it off to most witnesses, and there didn't seem to be any cameras nearby. I slipped my car into a small nook near a dumpster and kept the lights off. I began to wonder if that truck had left town, left the state, but I remembered those screams on the inside of the trunk. If there was a chance it would come back, I had to be here. Then, one night, a slam jolts me awake. Across the lot, a metal door locks with a click. It's an older guy. A gray beard covers his chin, and a ball cap is pulled low over his face. He walks slowly, nervously, glancing over his shoulder again and again. I wait, shoulders tight, squinting over my dashboard. He walks to the corner of the lot, to a dented garage door. He flips open the plastic keypad, and the door slowly lifts. The back of that shitty truck appears. The trunk starts to shake. The man hisses something at the car and slams a palm against the trunk. I hope to God whoever was in there was still alive. He disappears inside of the garage and I start moving. My muscles ache from sitting for so long, but the adrenaline dulls everything. I grab the bolt cutters and sling the medical kit across my shoulders. I work my way around the edge of the lot, wincing at every shift of gravel under my feet. I keep thinking about how much time I'm losing by moving so slow. But I know, for the sake of whoever was locked in that trunk, I needed to be careful. I slowly peeked around the corner of the garage door. I could see the kit-bashed truck and the guy messing around with something in the front seat. The trunk wasn't shaking anymore. I creep up around the side of the truck. He was still fiddling with something, back bent into the driver's seat. I gripped the bolt cutters. My palms are damp and my heart throbs in my chest. I raise the bolt cutters above my head. I just need him to turn around. I bring the handle down on his head. He slumps to the floor of the garage. The trunk is cooled since the last time I saw it, though the outside is still uncomfortably hot. The metal met together in a distinct zigzag. It looks like a few extra layers had been welded on since I last saw it. I fasten the blades of the cutters around the padlock and squeeze. With a snap, the lock hits the ground and I tear open the trunk. A plume of rot burns my nose and I nearly throw up. The smell is sour, like blood mixed with bile. The opening of the trunk is caked with a dark red. 
I lean my head into the stench. She's crumpled into the back of the truck bed, lit by a dirty light bulb. Her hair is matted to her skull and her whole body is limp. I reach as far as I can. My shoulder bumps into the edge of the trunk and it's clear I need to go deeper. It's like a furnace. As I ease myself in, sweat collects on my forehead. With both shoulders in, I'm just able to touch her neck. Closer, I see more of her. Out of habit, I list the injuries under my breath. Patient is unconscious. Several first and second degree burns. Severe bruising around the head and neck. I stretch forward and manage to get my fingers on her pulse. 30 BPM. It's faint, but it's there. I sink to my belly and push in further. The smell is overwhelming. I can finally wrap an arm around her stomach. She's easier to move than I thought. As I pull her limp body backward, she leaves a red-brown smear in her wake. I spot two large openings in the back two corners of the trunk. Chunks of hair and blistered skin seem to drain into the holes. I'm already covered in her blood and whatever else was in the trunk, but I'm able to pull her to the edge of the bed and finally out. I lay her down carefully on the pavement. She's hurt worse than I thought. Lacerated stomach. Small. Puncture wound. In her lower abdomen. I open up the medical kit and start treating what I can. The bandages immediately soak up with blood. I need to get her to a hospital. Shit. He's waking up. I shove the phone in my pocket and pull her arm across my shoulder. We shuffle forward as fast as we can, but it's still dangerously slow. All I can do is push forward as far as I can. Behind me I can hear the sound of an engine starting. I glance over my shoulder. The brake lights of a car flicker on and the engine hums. The car barrels out of the garage, open trunk slamming. I yank her further onto my shoulders and make a brake for it. I hear the engine flare and pick up speed and a stutter. With a sputter, the engine dies. I don't stop to think about it. I keep pushing forward as the car door slams behind me. I know what's going to happen even before he gets to me. I'm shoved to the ground. The old man grabs her by the hair and yanks her back to his open trunk. Bitch. Only good for fuel. I sprint forward and throw my shoulder. 
He drops her head and I get on top of him. I keep hitting him, again and again, knuckles sinking deeper into his skull with every hit. Maybe I should have called the ambulance first. I just keep smacking, pulling, ripping. I don't stop when he's dead. I stop when I want to. When I open my eyes, I'm covered in blood. I don't stop to consider anything else and I pull out my phone. I stumble back to the woman. The blood is soaked through the bandages and it's spreading out on the gravel. I feel for a pulse. Nothing. I whip my head around for the med kit. I sprint back to the garage and grab the defibrillator. I set the voltage and wait for the charge. Clear, I say to no one. She bucks off the ground, but I don't find a pulse. Nothing. I look down into vacant eyes. She's gone. I'm not sure when the ambulance got there. A friend of mine was on duty and helped me bring her body in. The sirens seemed loud through the walls of the ambulance. The sheet covered most of her, leaving just a human-shaped outline. The rest was a blur. There were questions, police, concerned co-workers. But I just kept seeing her bleeding out on the ground. Maybe she was just the tipping point. The last one I could take. At some point, someone handed me her file. I thought it might help me process. Her name was Amanda. She was 28. Cause of death, blood loss. Note. Puncture wound in abdomen. Coroner reported puncture extended into stomach. Skin is burned from multiple sources. A majority of skin damage is from hot metal surface, but also, in part, from chemical burns. Testing suggests a source for the additional burns, though we are currently retesting to confirm the initial findings. However, initial findings state the source of the burns as stomach acid. The old man died at the scene. It worked out, I guess. My statement was enough to confirm self-defense, and DNA samples from the truck linked back to a few missing persons cases in the area. The car was impounded and sent to a junkyard. I made sure I was there to see it crushed. 